0: Okay, friends, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the very end of your Bibles, to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, chapter number um, 21, is where we'll get started here in just uh, a little bit. If you're a guest with us, uh, man, we're so glad you're here again. And just going to catch you up, today is our last Sunday, which it seems so weird to be saying that. Our last Sunday of the year, and uh, as a result, the last Sunday in our series that we've spent our entire year going through. So, We we call it the story. So, what we've been doing is walking through the Bible chronologically. So, as the story unfolds, we've been kind of reading that along uh, in our time with Jesus, but then also preaching from that um, in our weekend gatherings, trying to get a glimpse of uh, what God is doing throughout history. And so, we kind of see how the story comes to a close uh, this morning. I'm excited, so excited uh, to preach uh, this this text today. So, before we do, I want to kind of set up a little bit because sometimes we look at the Bible and say, uh, "Why in the world we spend a year?" Studying about Israelites and sacrificial systems and letters written to churches that from thousands of years ago, when I have all of this stuff going on in my life, like give me a practical series that deals with what I'm going through. And we do those on occasion here at this church. But we have a conviction here to preach through books of the Bible. So our normal rhythm is to go verse by verse, word by word, through books. That's what we want to do because we believe that God knows what we need more than we know what we need. That the Bible is very, 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 very practical to whatever you're going through. And so we see how all that's going to unfold because we're going to do a recap um, today. You're all nervous. He's going to preach the whole Bible today. We're never getting out of here. But we're going to see, hopefully, these themes and, and it goes around. But even out of this um, this season that we're coming out of, this holiday season, okay, so it's New Year's coming up here soon, So we are bombarded with materialism and selfishness, we talk about that a lot in the last few weeks as we've observed Advent, um, but we have a tendency, like we live in a culture that says if you just get this thing, it's going to fulfill the desires of your heart, and we got those things maybe a couple days ago, and you may have already been bored with whatever you've been looking for in a gift, you're already saying it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, Like it's, it, even the Christmas holiday and the fanfare, of getting with family, it was good to see everybody, but it's just kind of like, it was over, and it's like, that was good, but we have all this anticipation built up for these couple days. And there's a potential letdown. Maybe you say, no, it was awesome. Man. But you will come down off of the high, because stuff does not fulfill. We have to fight this, this lie, this, this temporary, this obsession that we have with the temporary. Because what we live in, we look around, and most of our world that we look around in is just Temporary. It's fleeting. Now, I'm all for Christmas. I'm all for gifts, okay? I'm not the Scrooge. I'm the, we're not that kind of church. It says you can't observe the holiday. Let's have fun. Let's celebrate. But let's understand that our needs are much bigger than anything we're going to get in, in a certain holiday season. That's so why we've said we're in Advent. We're going to look past all that. We're going to focus our attention on Jesus because He is what will satisfy. And we're consumed with temporary, more stuff, all of that. But I want us to do a, a discipline this morning as I'm preaching for you to ask the Holy Spirit to do in your heart, but also to challenge you over this next week leading into the new year. There's nothing magical about calendars, okay? New Year's resolutions, and there's nothing, we kind of feel like it's a fresh start, but that doesn't really exist with a calendar. But it is something special, the way our culture is set up, to look back over this last year. And to see the faithfulness of God and to understand what he's doing in our lives and kind of make sense of that. Because when we see our life from a 30,000 foot perspective, it really helps us to make sense of a lot of things. But then to look ahead in 2016 and what are you trusting God for? What are you asking of him? What do you want to see him do? And I pray that's not just some arbitrary dream that we have, but it's rooted out of looking into this book and getting a vision of God and a vision of who he is and what he's done and what the church is and how your life matters and that your dreams begin to become in line with his dream for your life. Like, let this season, like, let's capitalize on this time of year. There's something nostalgic about it. So let's 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 redeem it. And I want to challenge you to really look at your life. And a good question, there's a lot of good questions we could ask, but here's the question I'm asking. And it's a lot of, I knew I was gonna study for this, but it seems like what the Holy Spirit's been teaching me over the last month and a half or so Can I look at my schedule, and can I look at the way I spend my money, can I look at my relationships, can I look at just my life, all the things that make up our world, and can I say that I invested into eternity in this last year, like what I did, like maybe I met some goals, stayed busy, did some good things, overcame some things, all that stuff's good, but let's go a little deeper than that. Are the things you're spending your life on, will it matter when you die? He's going to leave it. So much of the stuff is just so just, just secondary. They're good things. But listen, when we become so focused and so consumed on the good things and we miss the ultimate things, that is the definition of a failed life, in my opinion. I don't think any of us are going to really go off and go ruin our lives with some debauchery. I mean, like so many of us, most of us in here are saying, man, we're trying to obey Jesus. We're trying to walk with him. We're in church. We're doing these things. But is your life counting? I don't want to waste my life. I know you guys don't want to waste your life either. That's a really good question to ask. That's why Jesus would say, lay up your treasures where? In heaven. Because down here, they're going to decay. They're going to go away. You can't take them with you. It doesn't really matter. And we we are numb to eternity. I'm convinced of that. As a church, as a people, as a Western society in America, we are numb to what really is going to happen for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years to come, and we spend so much time on now. Here's God's word when it says it. Uh, Psalm 39, the words will be up on the screen. The psalmist writes and says, O oh Lord, make me to know my end. Like, teach me that one day I will cease to exist. That's a kind of a sober prayer, it's kind of a pessimistic prayer, but it's a good one. Like, Lord, let me know that one day I'm not going to be here. And what is the measure of my days? And we have a few of them. Let me understand what that is actually like. Let me know how fleeting I am. See, so many of us, we don't ever think about that we're fleeting. We're literally living and dying, but we're going to die one day. Like, that's going to happen. Like, that's a reality for all of us. We don't want to think about it. I'm not saying we should dwell on it all the time. That's kind of depressing. But there's moments when we redemptively, with God's word open, say, God, let me know how fleeting I am. Don't let me buy the lie that I'm just indestructible. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. you look back over this last year, January of last year seems like it was so far away for so many of us, and it is. Our lives seem like we just go on and on forever, but compared to him, is what it says. My life is as nothing before compared to you, before you, because you are the eternal God who exists before time and after time. You don't ha- you're not limited by the constraints of time. When I look in, in you and what you're doing, my lifetime is as nothing. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. Preston, come on up. I'm gonna run the risk of being really cheesy, okay? I'm gonna come down here with you. Uh, go that way, yeah. So I saw this from a pastor one time, okay? Uh, and I know it's, it's really cheesy. It really is. But let's embrace the cheesy. Because I, th- I love this this picture uh, of this. If we can ever get our, our life untangled there, that'd be awesome. Uh. All right. So what the, imagine that this 50 feet of rope is eternity. So it, it doesn't end. It's inf- Preston is infinity down there. He just keeps going and going and going and going and going. It never ends. This is eternity. And this little red right here, See my like my tape job. It's good isn't it. Um, this red is your life. This is the moments that make up your days on this earth. However many years you get here, this is your life. Compared to eternity, I mean, look, look. Let that visual aid, like, let that just sink in. When I saw that, I was like, man, that's really lame. And then, like, I kept looking at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life. You know, that was the moment I had when I saw this. So. We spend so much of our lives focusing right here. Everything. And we're living and we're trying to get the job, to get enough money, to retire, so that we can enjoy this little part right here of our lives and then we're gone. When you exist for eternity. Is what you're living for during this going to matter in that? It's a really good perspective. Let's lay it across here so we can see it for the rest of the time. Thanks, man. I've been praying that, going, God, I don't want to just keep existing, just to exist. I want my life to count, to really matter, to invest into eternity. And so, one of the beauties of this, and we've said all along through this series, is that w- the Bible is God's story. It is, he is this eternal God who's doing so much more in this world than is, than is just centered around you and me. Like, human history is not about us. You yes, get that, right? Like, we get to play a part in history, but it's not about us. We are not in the center of the universe. Like, God does not exist solely and move history just to accomplish his will for your life. What he's doing in you, what he's doing around you, is yes for you. And that's a, a beautiful reality. But he's moving history to accomplish his glorious purpose for all nations throughout all history, it's all pointing to him. And the Bible is this grand story. So we look at it and say, you know, it's just kind of a lot of these random stories, in the Old Testament, all these guys and the prophets and all these. All of the stories are really one story. It's all one story. So don't look at all of the, the siloed instances of the Bible. It's all one big story, and it's all about Jesus. The Bible's not about us. It is for us, but it's not about us. It is about him. And so we've got to enter in, in the beginning, god he just was so from eternity he has existed but he didn't need us but he creates us and he sets in motion his plan for the universe and we find ourselves on this grand scheme we probably could have put that in the middle somewhere and saw all of the backstory of all of the bible here today in 2015 going into 2016 we find ourselves right in the middle of the story of god what he's been accomplishing, all of this, the glory of, the, of Abraham and the, the patriarchs and the prophets and the church and the writings of Paul, like we are part of that. It's bigger than just trying to advance Tri-Cities Baptist Church. That's why we say we're going to be a sending church. We're going to the nations. We want to be part of so much bigger than just growing this right here. And I hope that's what we want our lives to be about. Because in the Bible, God reveals to us who he is and what he is doing to restore all things to himself. So Colossians chapter 1, the word to be up on the screen. We'll get to Revelation in a second, I promise. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. About Jesus here, it says, For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That is scripture that describes the season of Advent that we're coming out of. In a baby was God. It's Jesus. He came. Why did he come? And through Jesus through this God-man, through God entering into human history in space and time to reconcile to himself, what's it say? All things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. God enters in to our mess, to our story, to bring us into what he's been doing in the world. And here's what it was, to reconcile you. Which implies that you are far from God. That's what we all are in our sin. We are far from God. Our stories are never going to make sense. They're never going to be fulfilling because your story was meant to live in light of God's story. But we all said no. We want to do our own thing. We're going to go our own way. We want the story to be about us. We want to be at the center of the Bible. We want to be at the center of human history. We want to be at the center of God's plans. And that's the nature of sin. It's arrogance. It's pride. So what he does, he says, I'm not going to leave you there. I would be just to let you suffer apart from me for eternity, but instead I'm going to enter in. And I'm going to do for you what you could never do for yourself. I'm going to reconcile you. You're an enemy, you're an enemy of me. And I'm going to reconcile you by making peace. By dying for you. The the guilt and the shame, the the punishment that I should give you, I am going to take that on myself, Jesus says, so that if you will repent and believe in me, I will give you my righteousness. Therefore, you can be reconciled. You can be restored to God. Because that is what he's doing in history. And listen, it's much bigger than just you and me. That salvation is a personal thing. He's reconciling us to himself. It's a salvation. We get to be with God. But it's much bigger than just us. He's reconciling us all things. Everything that sin has touched, everything that sin has broken, He is going to restore. He's promised to do it. And we are a part of that. Like, we're a grand part of that, and we get to now live our lives to join God in what He's doing in the world. God says, He's reconciled you to Himself, 2 Corinthians 5, and now He's given you this ministry of reconciliation. So, work together with God, 2 Corinthians 6 says, Join God in what he's doing in the world. If you don't want to waste your life, man, live for this. This is what God is doing. So he is our king of peace now. He takes his enemies and he puts us together as friends, as sons and daughters, but as citizens of this kingdom where God rules and reigns and we get to enjoy the benefits of that. That is what we were created for. So let's think about a kingdom for a second because this is a theme that we'll pull all throughout um, this the sermon today so hang with me here here's what a kingdom there's three pieces of a kingdom that is true for any kingdom but especially the kingdom of god so here's the three things we've talked about this before way back when but let's let's r- remind ourselves of this a kingdom is where a people are ruled by the king so if you're gonna have a kingdom you're gonna have citizens of the kingdom right you got to have people in the kingdom and they're people who are under the domain of the king that's one thing that makes up a kingdom so a people But then in a kingdom, you also have a place. So there has to be a domain. What is the territory in which this king rules? So things outside of the territory, the king does not have dominion over. But what is the domain in which the king rules? And so there's a place, the kingdom is a place, but it's also a purpose. There's a purpose of the kingdom. Every king has an agenda. So usually it's to glorify himself, even the worldly kings of our day. It's, I I want praise. Purpose for the king and his kingdom. There's a purpose. There's a unity around this kingdom. That that is what makes up a kingdom. This is true of the kingdom of God. And we see this through the storyline of Scripture. So throw that definition up there, Laura. The storyline of Scripture is the story of the Bible is God blessing and judging a people. So we're going to go through and and remind ourselves of how this works. But just hang with me, okay? This This is the thought behind this. He's judging a people. So he calls out a people for himself. we said this all along, to display his glory to them. These are my covenant people, not based upon what they have done, but just based upon my grace. I call out a people, and I'm going to judge the people accordingly, based upon the covenant and the promises of this relationship. So he's got a people. And then he's given them, it's the story of the Bible, he's given them a specific place where his presence is experienced. There's a place. We're going to talk about some of those places as we walk through. There's a place where God gets to be with them. They get to interact with God. And then here's the purpose of all of that. To, have a, to be a people and to be blessed and judged and to have this place is to, for the purpose of His glory being made known to all nations. Like that is what God is doing throughout the pages of Scripture. That is the story unfolds. I want to chase those three themes. I'm not going to preach the whole Bible. But we are going to look really briefly at the chapters of the story just to remind us of where we've been. And see and pull out these three themes of people, place, and purpose. And we'll see how that culminates in Revelation. So that's where we're headed. So creation. I'm going to go through these very, very briefly, okay? So if you weren't here, go back and listen to the podcast. It'll take you a few weeks. But you can go listen to them all. We're not going to repreach the sermons. But Genesis 1 and 2, God blesses a people, Adam and Eve. He says, I choose to set my affection on you. Where you can know me. He blessed them before he told them to do anything. That was the people that he had. And it was in the place of Eden where they got to experience the blessings of God, walk with God in the cool of the day, is a place where God's glory was seen and enjoyed by his people. And he gave them the purpose that you are these image bearers, these little mirrors that are supposed to go and to multiply and to fill the what? Fill the earth. Fill the whole earth with images of me. So it's for the purpose of his glory, who God is seen and experienced on display to all nations. That was the purpose of humanity, to walk with God, to be His people, to have an experience of Him in this place, and then out of that place would His glory be known among the nations. But then the fall happened. We've already talked about that, but we sinned and said no to that design. We, didn't, we weren't satisfied in that. So as a result, we're cast out of the presence of God, no longer in Eden. The fiery sword over the Garden of Eden can't get in there, can't walk with God face to face. Now as sinful people, we cannot look on a holy God We're judged because of our sin. And as a result, everything is broken. Our relationship with God is now broken. Our relationship with ourself is now broken. We don't see ourselves rightly. Our relationship with other people are broken. That's why we're divided. That's why we hate one another. That's why we had this us versus them. That's why we've been sinned against. And it also breaks all of creation. That's why systems of this world are broken. That's why these power structures exist. And that's why we oppress one another. And that's why cancer happens. That's why death happens. That's why evil happens. That's why suffering happens. It's an effect of our sin. We broke the design. And as a result, this catastrophic results that everything is not the way it should be. It's where we all are living. But in the midst of that, there's a promise of hope that God says, I'm still going to make you my people. I shouldn't shouldn't do this, but because I'm so gracious and loving, I'm going to make a a way for you. I'm going to restore you. And there's going to be one coming who will fix all of this. And so then, we see another people. How's he going to do this? He blesses the patriarchs. I'm going to go through quick. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those guys. He said, I'm going to bless you. Why? To be a blessing. I'm going to make you my people. I'm going to have a covenant with you. And there was a land of promise. So all of the Old Testament is centered around this land, this promised land. And this land was the place where God's glory was going to be seen, where they could be with God. So he gave them a people in a place That this land was going to be the place that they could build a society to to show who God is. And as a result, the nations might know that he is God. He says that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, he told Abraham. That's the story. So then the patriarchs, but they've they've fallen and they're in sin. And then God's people are in slavery to Egypt. You see the exodus and the conquest. Then you see God blessing Moses another people. He called out a people. And he blessed them through the Passover and the giving of the law and deliverance from slavery. God is in the wilderness. And he gave them his presence. Notice, in the place of the tabernacle. This is going to be the place where you get to be with me. You get to experience me. And all throughout the Exodus, you read the book of Exodus. Over and over and over again, God's saying, I'm doing this. I'm calling you out in these miracles so that the nations may know that I am God. There's a purpose. Always have been that way. So hang with me, hang with me. Then we have the United Kingdom. So those those were the priests and the sacrificial system. He worked through the priests. But then there's the United Kingdom. So he raises up kings, David and Solomon. He blesses them. Those are the people. And he promises through David there will be an everlasting kingdom that will know no end. That what God's doing in David is going to span through us and throughout all of eternity. There will be a king who reigns over a kingdom. He promised that. And he offers his presence. The place of David and Solomon was the temple. It was the place where the glory of God was dwelling, where we could see him. And it it says that all nations would come and look at this temple, and out of all of its splendor, the nations would come to see the temple, to see the glory of God. It's all throughout It's the whole Bible. Solomon turns, and then judgment comes, and then the kingdom is divided. Wicked kings that aren't following God and he sends in prophets to speak on behalf of God, to call them out. That's the people that God works through. He gives blessings and judgment through them. And the place is, listen, God is with them even while they're in exile. They've been carried away into captivity. And God's presence, we see that in Ezekiel, is still there, even though they're not in the promised land, that God has not given up on his people. And he said, I'm doing all of this. That the nations may see how I judge your sin and know that I'm God. All for the nations. Then 400 years of silence. Nothing. God doesn't speak because of the people's continued rebellion. And then Jesus comes. We've been talking about over this Advent season. So we see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God blesses his people by coming to us himself. Jesus is the true priest interceding for us. Jesus is the true prophet that speaks on behalf of God. Jesus is the true king who rules and reigns over us. That is who Jesus is. And he incarnates with us. Emmanuel means God with us. So he is the place, he is the place where God's glory is seen and dwell. That the nations might know that God is God and that he would get glory. Father, glorify your name was the prayer of Jesus all throughout the Bible. But then you see the church. So this is the end till we get to Revelations, okay? The church, that Jesus comes and he lives the life we couldn't live. He dies the death that we deserve, raises again, intercedes for us today as he ascended back into heaven and he's sent his Holy Spirit now. God is with us, in us, and we are now empowered as the church to go and to do these things. We are now the people of God. That has this identity. That is who we are. We are prophets speaking on behalf of God, God making his appeal through us. We have been made to be priests. You have access into the presence of God right now because of Jesus. You are now priests. And we are citizens of the kingdom, but we are joint heirs with the king. Everything the king owns, we own. That's who we are. We are the people of God. He's blessed us for that purpose. And listen, we are the dwelling place of God. You guys remember that? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That God dwells in you? And so no longer do the nations need to come to the temple to see the glory of God. Now we are the temple of God and we go to the nations. That's the Great Commission. That all nations might know and fear god to see his glory that is the purpose of our lives that the nations may know the glory of god that's the purpose of the church he's always had a people he's always given them a place for his presence to be made known and experienced and he's always had the purpose of his glory being made known through the nations that is the story of the bible all right so revelations chapter 21 will be really brief in this but i want us to see these three things lived out in the last two chapters of of revelation Okay, last two chapters of Revelation. So first, God's people. God's people. Well, how do we see this story come to a close? His children are blessed and his enemies are judged. So Jesus will come to fully bless his people. Read with me in Revelation 21, verse 1. The words will be on the screen. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Skip to the end of verse 3. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Skip down to verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. In the Greek, that's the first and the last letter of, of the alphabet. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. All right, so Let's just get a glimpse of this. We can't dive into all of this so i know when you said when i said turn to revelations you're going oh my gosh this is going to be one of those weird sermons the prophecies are happening i know we have such a disdain we kind of keep this book um at a distance but Revelation one starts out and says blessed is he who reads this book it's the revelation of jesus this is the culmination of all things this is where the story's headed listen history is going somewhere here like this the red is not all there is when we die something's going to happen and jesus really will come again so with the advent, we' see he came the first time, but he will come the second time to make what he says here all things new. He's going to fix it all. He's going to restore it all. And we're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in his presence. He will come again. And Peter warns us and says, "Don't grow slack concerning the promise, because it's been centuries that he said this and nothing's happened, but he is coming one day. He is going to come again. And now how that's going to happen, when that's going to happen. Listen, smarter people than any of us have argued about when the tribulation and when Christ is going to come, how Christ is going to come, and what this new heaven and new earth looks like. And those are great conversations. We can have those. But you want to eat lunch today, and you don't want me to go into all that, do you? So we're going to skip that. We can talk about all the the theories of all that means, but don't let the wackos and the end-time prophecy guys and all of the confusing images of this apocalyptic literature and revelations keep you, from listening to what God's word is saying. Listen. Like, stop hearing me talk for a second. And really lean into what God is saying. Jesus is coming again. Like, we say that so much. I grew up hearing that. Like, Jesus is coming soon. I'm going to fly away. Oh glory. Um, all right. like, We're going to do that. And I've heard it so much. I heard it so much. That I just don't think. that It, okay, it doesn't affect me. Christ is going to come, and the result of that is we get to be his people where's people now? Corinthians says that we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see face to face fully getting to experience this covenant that we have with God he will as a bride adorn for her husband got to, got to take part in some of our uh, some of our good friends' wedding last weekend and just the the anticipation of the bride. She got so ready for that moment. And this is this picture of that, one, that we should be, that we are the bride of Christ and we should be adorning for our groom, the husband of Jesus Christ to come and to let us be with him forever. The anticipation of, a, of, a, of an engaged couple that cannot wait for that day. And they're doing all they can to get ready for it. Is that the nature and the posture of your heart? That we as the church, you as an individual, as a, as a bride getting ready to see your king. Is that, you think about that? Do you see your life in light of that day? We'll be his people. And we'll be like him, for we will see him as he is. All of this mess that we're struggling with will no longer be there, because we get to be with God, and we get to experience grace forever and ever and ever. That's why he says to the thirsty, verse six, I will give spring, Spring of water of life without payment. You don't have to pay for this. You get to drink deeply from him throughout eternity. He's the beginning and he's the end. It's all about him. It's always been about him. But now we get to experience it. If we get bored with that, and if that's just theology to us, we're missing it. We're missing it. All right. But then, it's not just that he blesses people, but he's going to come to bring judgment on the enemies of the kingdom. We saw that all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that there's a people and there's people that aren't his people. Not everybody are the children of God. There are people, if you're not in Christ, you do not belong to him. And here's your end, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, he's going to describe the effects of sin here. The sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Your sin will be paid for, my sin will be paid for, we, God will, will punish sin. Either you trust, we've said this before, either you trust that Jesus has taken your debt. He endured hell for you. And you bow your knee now to King Jesus and say, I surrender. I believe who you are, I want to live my life for you, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I trust that you paid the payment for my sin, I don't want to pay it anymore. And I, I know I'm an object of your wrath, but I'm going to believe that you turned your wrath off of me and on to Jesus. Have you had that moment? Have you done that? Because if not, for eternity, you will be punished in a lake of fire, because if you will not bow your knee now, you will bow one day and say that every knee will bow and give praise and honor to Jesus. You will see him for as he is, but it's too late then, and you'll be spending eternity apart from him. But there's grace, and so if you will receive the gift, and if you will bow today to King Jesus, he says you can drink deeply from this water of life that will flow. And so, so many of us just spend so much time right there, and we say, I'm not going to think about all of this. I'm not going to think about where I'm going to live forever. I'm just going to focus on today. And right now, if I follow Jesus, it's going to change that, and I don't know that it's worth it. And let me just let that be a visual image. of You're going to, for some pleasures of sin today, keep you from eternity with God. Let's see things for what it really is. That's not a scare tactic. That's just the reality of God's word. But I want it to get down to where we're living. Don't make decisions based upon these moments because they're deceptive. You'll live forever somewhere, whether in the presence of God, enjoying Him forever, or apart from Him, enduring His wrath, separated from Him for all eternity. So He has a people, but He also has God's place, His presence enjoyed without hindrance. Without hindrance. So listen, the hope and the beauty of eternity is being with Jesus and to see him face to face. Revelation 21.3, get a glimpse of this. We're, almost, we're, we're getting to a close, okay, so hang with me. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place. Remember, it's always been a place where, God's, where he could be dwelling with us. We could be uh, his people. He could be our God. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Growing up, I used to hear stories about heaven, and I would say, that sounds really boring, you know, like just... on streets of gold? Am I going to be like this chubby baby angel, you know, floating around in a diaper for all eternity, like I'm going to turn into an angel? I don't understand what is so great about heaven. And I would be honest about you. I was like, Jesus, don't come. Like I got some stuff I need to experience in life, you know. I want to get married. I want to have some kids. I want to do all that. I I, I don't want you to come because heaven just kind of sounds kind of boring. And, like, I got this sounds exciting. Like, that was me growing up until you get a glimpse of who God is. That heaven is not all of these images that we've said that it is, and we've made it into all this, this stuff. When the beauty and the hope of heaven, what should make us long for him to come, to long to be with him, is that we get to see him. That we get to be with him. So in John, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my house, there's many mansions. How I many grew up thinking you're going to have a mansion? Like an actual, awesome MTV Cribs house. Right? Like I'm going to heaven, I'm going to get my mansion, you know? Listen, that's not what that means. We've taken like this consumerism of our culture and says, I'm going to get a mansion. Heaven's going to be this place where I get all the stuff I never could have here. Man, that is not the hope of heaven. That word mansion literally means in the original language, dwelling place. He says, I'm going to go and give you a dwelling place that's going to be so extravagant and so beautiful that's beyond your wildest imagination. And the beauty of heaven is you get to dwell with me. That was what I started in Genesis when I chose to create. I wanted that to happen, and I'm going to now restore Eden to you. You get to be with me. That is the beauty of heaven. And listen, church, that is far better than any pleasures of this world that we have to offer. But I think we don't tap in. We don't live like this is true. We don't don't look with anticipation for this. So Revelation 22, let's jump ahead to see this in verse 4. Here's the beauty of it. And they will see his face. Does that excite you? you're all looking at me like I know I'm, I know this is long, but like does that excite you? You get to see his face? we just saying it that my faith will end in sight. I'm going to be honest here, okay like I really have a lot of trouble having faith. You with me on that like I, I just struggle I'm a doubter. And I I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. And I I had to fight so hard to trust him that it's true. But one day I won't need faith. One day I get to see him. Like I really get to see him. Like I get to see Jesus. You get to see him face to face. This is not a fairy tale. This is real life. I get to be with God. And so a question that other pastors have asked before, and I've asked you here, but let's ask it again. Would you be okay with heaven if Jesus wasn't there? If you got all the stuff you ever wanted, no sin, all the stuff that we think about in heaven, but Jesus isn't there. Would you even notice that he wasn't there? Because what we're so longing for is something other than him. Like, we get to be with him. And I don't want to wait till that day. I want to fight so hard to know him, be with him right now. We have access to him in this word. But one day, all of the fighting and the fighting to believe and the struggle against sin will be over. What a day that will be. What a day. And real quick, as we look at this, it's so beautiful. Everything that hinders our enjoying his presence will be gone. So we're talking right now, we struggle. In that day, it will not be. Let's just read it. Death will give way to life. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You've been to the point where you've just wept over the brokenness of your heart and sin struggles life letting you down and death shall be no more no more separation neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more for the former things have passed away he's removing that from us darkness will give way to light verse 5 of chapter 22 and night will be no more think about this they will need no light of lamp or sun for the lord god will be their light the Lord God will be their light. The glory of God will light up everything that we need and they will reign forever and ever. And then listen, the, lastly, the curse of sin will give way to the covenant of grace. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. To the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Does that remind you of something? What was in the Garden of Eden? The tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed. All the curse of sin, everything that we talked about, everything's broken. No longer, in that day, he will set it right. He will make it new. He will fix what is crooked and make it straight. What is broken, he will repair. All the things that we are sinned against, we long for justice in this world. Justice will be final and then everything will be put right. No, no longer will anything be a curse. He's reversing it. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. Imagine that day. No more division. No more guilt. No more shame. Just worship. Actually getting to worship Him as He deserves. So, God's purpose. So, God's people. We're going to be His people. We're going to be His people. He's going to make us. He's going to call us to himself. He's given us this place of where his glory is seen and experienced and enjoyed throughout all of eternity. And that is the joy of heaven. But then there's the purpose. And his purpose lives on even in eternity. He loves what it is. His glory seen among all nations. Revelations 22, verse 2. We just read it. The leaves of the tree, that's the tree of life. I love this. We're for the healing of who? The nations. He's restoring Eden. Why? That the nations might know him. All people. Gathered around the throne. Getting to be with him. And in Revelations. Um, where am I? Revelations chapter 5. Verse 9. And they sang a new song. Saying worthy are you. To take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain. Jesus. And by your blood you ransomed. Who? People. For God. From. Every tribe and every language and every people and every nation, and you have made them a what a kingdom, and you made them priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. the fulfillment of all things that we're, where's this thing headed? What are we going to do throughout all of eternity? we get to see God, we get to worship him, and it's the culmination of all of this that he's going to have his people in this place for the purpose of his glory. Enjoyed forever among every people group of this world. What a picture. What a picture. So listen, our response. Our response is If this is true, like if, if this is where this is going, then what should be true of our red down here should be this. Here's what I'm trying to say to us. So don't want to waste your life, what do we do? Well, I want this from my life to count for these things that we're talking about here. Because we are his people. He's always had a people. You're his people if you're in Christ. If we're his people, let us live as citizens of another kingdom. So I'm going to read this word over. I'm not going to preach these texts. I don't have time, okay? i just want to read them to us. You do not live here. You do. This is not your dwelling place. This is just so much, just a little portion of your life. You are a citizens of something much, much bigger. So, Philippians 3, words will be on the screen. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame. With minds set on what? More than three people. Set on what? Earthly things. Set on this. He said these are, if you set your mind on just this, you're an enemy of the cross. It's not what you were made for. But, Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. We live in light of that day. It's, it's good, it's true, we're there. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject, subject all things to himself. There's our all things. He's reconciling it all. That's where we're headed. If we're his people, let's live like it. Live as citizens of another kingdom. And if you're not his people, if you don't belong, listen here's the imitation. And this is the, how the Bible ends in verse chapter twenty two of Revelation. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The imitation to you is come. You don't have to experience judgment for eternity. You can experience life. He says, Come, come receive the grace. You have to repent and turn. But it's a good gift. So the question is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty enough? Do you really see your need? Don't buy the lie. Like, are you thirsty of this? Say, this is, there has to be more than this. And the Bible says, yes, there is. If you're thirsty enough, you'll come. And I pray that God makes you thirsty. I pray you come to the end of yourself. And if you're here and do not know Jesus, man, Turn from your sin and trust that he has done everything for you. And if you want to know more than what that means, we would love to talk to you. Whether this is your first time, whether you're a member here at this church, and you say, I don't know if I know God. I don't know if I know Jesus. Man, let's have a conversation about that because that is the point of your life. Second, because we are his dwelling place, let us live every day in light of that day. Let us live every day in light of that day. You are the dwelling place of God. So live with the perspective that one day we will get to be with him fully. First Thessalonians 5. I want to read this to us, okay? I'm, I said I wasn't going to preach it. I preached the other one. I'm going to try to just read the text. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness. It's not who we are anymore. Brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do. Don't let it lull you to sleep and live for stuff that does not matter. But let us keep awake and be sober. There's more there, but I will we'll skip it for the sake of time. Like, wake up. Live for what really matters. Invest in the eternity, not in the things of this world, because we are children of the light. And then lastly, because we know his purpose. We know his purpose. We've been talking about it all year. His glory made known among the nations. Let us abandon all things for his glory to be made known among every people. Is that the purpose of your life? Is that the aim of your life? Say, I want to see people know Jesus. I want to see disciples made. And I want that specifically to affect all nations. That is why we exist. That's the point of your life, and that is something that's worth risk. It's worth laying out everything for. So if you'll bow uh, with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And so we're not going to push for some response. So, You guys don't have to worry about that. But we are going to say to implore you on behalf of Christ and the Word, like we say this every week, but don't just come in to hear me talk for a long time. Because that's not what I want to do. This is not what this is. I have a conviction of the preaching of the word, but it's no—it's not it's worth nothing if we don't lean in and let the Holy Spirit speak and to change and to convict and do something about it. And so, where are you today? If you look back over your last last year, give you space to think about that. Can you honestly say that I'm investing into eternity? That my life is going to count way past me. I'm investing with in the word of God and I'm investing in the people and the glory of God among the nations. I'm pouring myself out for that. If not, I want you to ask why. What's the obstacle? Is it disbelief? Is it not knowing where to take the next step? Is it because you don't even know Jesus? Is it because what is the thing? What's the keeping you from going all in to this extravagant story of God? Because it will define our stories so let's spend some time leaning and saying, God, convict me of this. But then, listen, we want to resolve to do more, and, but not in our strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to say, God, would you do that in our church? I want to see God do something among us. I want to see our church use our little red piece for something that will outlast us. Bigger than a program, bigger than moments, bigger than attendance. I want to see God change lives. And you guys are a part of that. Like, you have the Spirit of God. Like, so are you using the gifts that the Lord has given you for that purpose? So, church, our hope to do any of this is Christ, Him crucified, Him resurrected. He is your righteousness. He is our worthiness. He's the goal. So we're going to, as we want the Lord to do this, we're going to thank Him that He's already done it all. There is some left for us to do, but He has already accomplished this for us. It's finished. It's done. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He has accomplished that for us on the cross. So I invite us all to stand and together right now. And I want us to end um, kind of our time together singing this song out, but I want us to read this together. I'm going to read, and when you see underlined words, okay, when you see it underlined, I want us to read it out loud. We got it? We good with that? It's going to be a flop if we don't do it together, okay? So we're going to read. If you see it underlined, you read it out loud with me. We're going to read a couple passages together, and we're going to sing these truths uh, as a response. So then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, let's read it together, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, let's read it, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and and glory, and might forever and ever. And this is how the Bible ends. The last verse of the Bible, Revelation twenty two twenty. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. And so the church sings out, amen, come Lord Jesus. Let's sing this together.